Kevin, in February, we graded Triple H six months into his tenure as the chief content officer, the head of WE Creative. That was in February. Now we're in August, so pushing towards September. It's only fitting we grade Triple H one year in. So firstly, how you doing, pal? Uh, I'm lovely, pal. I can't wait to talk about Triple H. So like you said, where we left off, uh, we were kind of we kind of talked about from SummerSlam 2022 to Elimination Chamber 2023. That's pretty much where we left it. Uh, we did say like we would leave the door open. Okay, we'll see what WrestleMania is like. We'll see what SummerSlam is like. We'll see what Triple H could do across a like, full calendar year. And I'll say this for just from a general standpoint. The Triple H regime has been a breath of fresh air. And we said that within the first, uh, our analysis of the first six months. And it continues to be that now through the past six months that we've just watched transpire in every day, day in and day out, watching wrestling. Would you agree or disagree with that? I would agree. Uh, I think when it comes to these sort of creative and just wrestling and writing, I don't know if anyone's ever tried like, you know, either writing a, a fancy booking a show or writing shows just generally for either for themselves or whatever, you know, what WWE was with Vince McMahon, especially in like mid 2022, trying to just overhaul that takes more than like a few months. So really the first six months of Triple H, we saw glimpses, we saw signs, we saw some really good stories there, really the Sami Zayn bloodline thing really unfolded. And we saw another, a number of other things. Triple H was starting to put his fingerprints on the show, but it still wasn't fully a Triple H show. Now I feel like a year in, Kevin, we can say Triple H has his, his like, entire fingerprints. Paul Levesque's DNA is all over. This WWE product we see Monday nights, Friday nights, PLEs on the Saturdays, pal. This is a Triple H product. I, I no longer watch a Raw, watch a SmackDown, watch clips and think, Vincent Kennedy McMahon has any involvement in this. I never think that now, no matter what is on the screen. I never think Vince is involved. I think that's it. If you still think Vince is involved in any way, you know nothing about what's going on. He clearly is not. And just because if you don't like a segment, it's not a Vince McMahon segment. It just means you didn't like what Triple H gave you. So yeah, this is clearly a Triple H product. I like that. I think it's you know, more beneficial for the quality of the show. And I think generally to start us off, I think it's been a big tick. I think we can objectively say, pal, one year in, it's been a big tick. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'll propose this question to you. Uh, I want to yeah. take this down the direction of talking about a WrestleMania 39. Yes. Uh, do you think Triple H in general, as the chief content officer, hit a home run across his first WrestleMania that he was in charge of from cover to cover? Yes. Um, I'll just sort of go a bit of what I was saying at the time because I haven't watched WrestleMania back like three times since. I'm just going to go off what we were saying at the time our sort of main takeaways from our review and our discussions around WrestleMania time, that WrestleMania felt like the biggest one in, I mean, take your pick, at least five years, definitely. Obviously, forget the COVID sort of pandemic-y ones, but really before that, it was much, felt much more big than 34 or like a 35 or some would say maybe 33. Others, in my opinion, you're thinking like 31, 30. So really, it's like the biggest, you know, most important feeling WrestleMania in about six to ten years, somewhere around there. And, and to, the to be fair, I'll just interject this. I think WrestleMania yeah. 36 would have been big had the pandemic not happened and it played out the way it was. I think 36 would have been big. And had the pandemic not happened, Roman would still be the big dog. So, you know, pandemic, shmandemic, who knows? But Kevin, what I will say is this. When you look at WrestleMania, WrestleMania 39 would have, yeah, it, it was, not would have, it was the best one we saw in about nearly a decade, give or take, roughly, depending on who you ask. And that was a big success in that regard. 
but why? What did Triple H do? We're talking about Triple H specifically. How he presented the show, how he presented the Intercontinental title, for starters. That was the biggest IC title WrestleMania match. I mean, outside of WrestleMania 3 and outside WrestleMania 10, probably ever. It was like a like a five-star brutal match with Drew, Sheamus, Gunther. That's how you make a title feel super important. Beyond that, the, the main event of night one, tag team titles. The Usos, who people consider like the GOAT tag team, you give them a main event spot. Sammy and KO, the storyline, paid off. Big 30-minute tag match. Everyone loves it. Big moment then WrestleMania, pal. And just across the board, night one especially, huge success. Night two, pal, bit more conjecture. Uh, that That's, you know, fair. We're not going to give Triple H all the flowers for night two. Shane McMahon coming out for no reason, his knee exploding in a match with The Miz. Bit random. Uh, and Cody Rhodes losing the way he did. Eh, left a sour taste in a few mouths. But across the board, pal, Triple H's first WrestleMania in my eyes. Tick, how would you review it, pal? That's, that was my blunt, ruthless, rash assessment. What would you say, pal? Uh, let me ask you this before we go on. Uh, do you commend Triple H's decision to not put John Cena and Austin Theory in the main event of WrestleMania 39 Night 1? I do, pal. I do. Um, I'll admit that was uh, my on my end of Elite Heat, that was the worst take of 2023. I mean, Kevin, you've had some rotters this year. Uh, but for me, my worst one of all my rotters would be that take. I've seen a theory main evented. It would be one of the all-time bad WrestleManias. It'd be reflected on the same way WrestleMania 9 was reflected on. It'd be looked back on as like a Yokozuna, Bret Hart, Hulk Hogan situation. That's how big of a debacle it would have been. If Cena and Theory called an audible 10 minutes in and Theory just won, and in the main event of WrestleMania 9-1, it would have been all-time bad. So, Kevin, yes, I, I take back that take. That, that was, once again, as bad as when you said, <laughs> no current wrestler will get a song with a mainstream artist. That, that, it's on that level. Hey, what can I say? And Nakamura deserved it, pal. That was a hell of a song. Shout out to Lil Uzi Vert. Hell of a song. Now, I digress. My thoughts on WrestleMania 39, in terms of like Triple H's booking and construction of the show, I thought it was great. Like Overall, he had a home run. I, I think, personally, he made the, bet, the right decision in not having Cody beat Roman. I've said that for months and months, and I will continue to stand by that. I, I know you disagree. To be wrong, but we'll carry on. We continue to be wrong, but carry on. Yeah, I know you disagree, and we're not going to debate that. We've debated that yeah. enough. We'll save that for another side. That, but carry on, carry on. But that's how great that um, Cody and Roman are. Is that still months later, you and I are still disagreeing about that, and a legion of fans are still disagreeing on that. And you got Roman fans bullying Cody fans on Twitter and Reddit and and at live at shows. It's really just a phenomenon to watch happen. Like, wrestling hasn't been that intriguing from the standpoint of, like, a heel and babyface dynamic. And I can't even tell you the last time that we had a heel and babyface dynamic the way that we had Roman and Cody. Presumably, they're going to run it back at WrestleMania 40. That remains to be seen. But overall, WrestleMania 39 was great. What followed WrestleMania 39 was Backlash in Puerto Rico. Uh, that was an absolute home run for like a, a B like a B show for lack of a better term. Backlash is not a SummerSlam, it's not a Royal Rumble, it's not a WrestleMania, it's not even a Money in the Bank. Backlash is a B minus show, and they absolutely hit a home run. That's probably the best backlash since Backlash two thousand. That's what jumps to mind. Yeah. It was just absolutely fantastic. Uh, the booking formula 
that Triple H utilized during that show. Um, having Selena Vega in a, a prime spot. Having Bad Bunny, of course, come out. Main event versus Damian Priest. Street fight. The epic entrance. Everything he did. The, the Savio Vega run-in. The use of the LWO. Everything Triple H did was uh, was catered to that particular audience. And it just put a showcase on what we've seen really throughout 2023 is that the international shows have had better crowds, more interest. Uh, but they've been better shows for the most part, I would say. I mean, the international shows, the prominence of that has been spectacular. It started with the Elimination Chamber in Montreal. Then it continued in Puerto Rico with Backlash. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's been a number of big ticks. From the Triple H point of view, I'd say that really Elimination Chamber, huge tick. Everything involving Montreal, that they made Sami Zayn challenging Reigns feel like like the biggest deal. Sami coming out in Montreal the night before the Elimination Chamber, the old theme song's back. Fifteen thousand people are screaming his name. You can't get a word in for seven minutes, and just everything involving that, the storyline that was brilliantly done. WrestleMania, big tick as we just discussed. Backlash, I honestly think that was the biggest tick of the Triple H last year or one of them. Everything about Backlash who they featured in big spots, how they presented the culture, the islands, the feel. Like, you know, obviously I have no ties or connection to Puerto Rico, to Backlash, to Latin America, any of it. But when I'm watching that, it's such like a, a cool, distinctive feel. You know, I'll always view Backlash 2023 really positively for how they booked that show, everything you just touched on. I'm not going to regurgitate it. Most of us all here listening to this watch Backlash. A number of just huge ticks, big home runs on that event. And to me, that show was symbolic of everything Triple H sort of has been about with an international hot crowd really playing towards the market really well. Smart use of talent, Bad Bunny most namely, featuring Priest in that position, everything involving LWO in that match and, you know, Judgment Day and yada yada. Main event, well-booked, featured match with two big stars, Cody and Brock. And just across the board, Selena Vega as well, that sort of use of the culture and the flag and everything like that. Really well done. So to me, Backlash 2023 is symbolic of what Triple H is about. I view that show as Triple H's finest hour so far, personally. Uh, Elimination Chamber had moments, particularly the main event and the Elimination Chamber with Montez Ford being Spider-Man. WrestleMania had its real good moments across the board. But Backlash to me was, I mean, Triple H's finest hour. Would you agree? Wow, that's, that's bold. It's really like I'm thinking about it as you're saying it. Like for whatever reason, Clash at the Castle jumps to my mind mm-hmm. whenever I think of Triple H's finest finest hour. Yeah, uh, and I mean just being biased. Yeah, Backlash was awesome. It, it's really hard to duplicate what they did with Backlash. Mm. Is that the best pay per view of the Triple H regime so far, or the best PLE I should say? I I, I mean it's in the discussion. It really yeah. is. Like, top to bottom, it was, what, a six, seven match card? But let me pull that up while I'm talking here. Well, Kevin, to me, as well, you pull that up, to me, it was the most memorable because of what they did with Puerto Rico, because of how they made that town and that part of the world feel so, like, special and important, which is a big tick. Now, granted, you might rate Elimination Chamber half a rating higher or WrestleMania half a rating higher, but to me, and how I view it, and I know a few people view it this way, Backlash is a massive success, so... Yeah, there you go. I mean, I'm looking at the card right now. A seven-match card. You know, you had Bianca Belair versus Io Sky. Featured match for Bianca Belair. 
Seth Rollins versus Omos was what it was. Austin Theory versus Bobby Lashley, I forgot that even took place. Uh, Rhea Ripley versus Lena Vega was the highlight. Bad Bunny versus Damian Priest was the match of the night. And then the Bloodline uh, versus Riddle Owens and Sami Zayn was a fun match. And Cody versus Brock Lesnar was a fun main event. But with that, with the lack of Roman Reigns and his presence being on the show, the fact that Triple H still made this show seem so good. I mean, realistically, with Bad Bunny there in Puerto Rico, you don't need Roman Reigns. Exactly. Yeah, it, it might have been a little overkill if they had forced a Roman Reigns versus whoever match Roman versus Ricochet or something. It, it would have been forced and unnecessary or Roman versus yeah. Riddle. Like, you know, we, we need a cokehead. You put a cokehead in Puerto Rico, have him out there. You know, I mean, that's a bad place to put a cokehead anyway. You put him in the main event with Roman Reigns, it's probably not going to turn out to much. So I think it was for the best. That's just me. But this seven-match show, I thought it was, yeah. I mean, it's maybe not the best card of the Triple H regime, but definitely the best best flow, um, best crowd participation. Best event. Best event, yeah. which I think encompasses all of what you're saying there. You know, card, maybe not the, the best card, match by match, but the best, you know, the most memorable feel, the biggest spectacle, the biggest, you know, in my opinion, it's that one. And Kevin, going on from that, Another big moment of the Triple H year, and a thing I think is worth discussing, just mentioning, Triple H made the call to have Roman Reigns take a pinfall loss of Money in the Bank. That's another big one. Now, Roman wasn't dethroned per se, and, you know, Cody, yada, yada, we'll, say, we'll park that. But Triple H made the call to have Jey Uso pin Roman Reigns and Money in the Bank. I guess, I mean, we're only like a month removed from that. I'm not asking for your full you know, legacy and review of that moment discussion, pal. But I think it's worth touching on, on, I don't know if we have any comments on that, but it's a pretty big moment in the Triple H creative regime, having Roman Reigns, the star of the era, the one who's got the, the thousand plus day run, have him lose clean in a match. So Yeah, no, it definitely is worth touching on. It, it's, it's interesting enough uh, just for the fact that, like, Roman lost. We haven't seen Roman lose since, what, Baron Corbin beat him on an episode of SmackDown? Yeah. In like 2019. Was that the last time Roman lost? A TLC 2019 when seven guys beat up Roman and pinned him. It yeah, there you like... go. TLC 2019. So yeah. to witness him losing was a big deal. And the Money in the Bank show, like the show in Puerto Rico, was a great show because of the international crowd. It was the first pay-per-view in London since like Insurrection 02 or something like that. The first PLE. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was a good show overall too. Like Money in the Bank is in the running definitely a top three top four show of the triple h regime in my opinion uh yeah. just the fact that they were able to get a a good like good money in the bank matches help keep that concept going damian priest yeah. has been a good holder of, of money in the bank eo sky has been was good and she cashed in her opportunity already you know there was some like instances like ups and downs in that card like seth rollins versus fergal and gunther versus matt riddle like I don't even know why that took that. That's like a, I don't know. It's a misuse of Gunther, but that's neither here nor there. Yep. But overall, yeah, you're watching Roman Reigns and you're watching him lose. That's a big call to make for somebody like Triple H. You know, Triple H to sit down and say, hey, we're going to have you lose, Roman. Let's make it make sense. Now, the question here to further the discussion is, are they making it make sense now? Roman loses, takes the loss to Jey Uso. Then we get the Jey Uso-Roman Reigns match at SummerSlam, 
And now the Usos are feuding and Roman Reigns is chilling in Cancun. So is it a waste of having Roman lose? What do you think? I don't know. I don't know. Like having Roman lose is such a, a big thing. And they've clearly gone with like the, like I guess we'll call it the two separate rubs thing where you have Reigns lose clean by pinfall to Jey Uso without the titles on the line. So then it probably maybe WrestleMania 40 against Cody, maybe, or whoever, when Reigns loses with the titles on the line, it's like two separate things. It's like, OMG, Roman lost. So you get two out of that instead of one. That makes sense. Instead of just having one person pin him and win the titles at the same time. So I guess that's sort of the thinking, I'd assume. Yeah. Uh, as far as the question you asked there, I mean, I alluded to this myself. It, it's a month removed. It's hard to gauge. Uh, I'm not going to try and make some big call. I don't really believe and look like a clown in six months or a year when we do this again. Uh, but at the moment, I mean, fair enough. See where it goes. I've, you know, I've been proven not to, you know, trash anything the bloodline storyline does. It turns out they'll end up producing good stuff in a matter of weeks or months. So there's that. Kevin, one thing regarding the bloodline, Roman Reigns, because of Roman's, I guess, how much he appears and what happened at WrestleMania, another big Triple H move decision, which we need to discuss is the World Heavyweight Championship. Triple H oh, decided to bring in the World Heavyweight Championship, this secondary championship. Seth Rollins was gifted the title. He beat Styles at Night of Champions and deep in the heart of Yedda, Saudi Arabia. And he's held the title for a few months ever since. He's feuded with Fergal, feuded with the Judgment Day. Now he's feuding with Nakamura because Nakamura kicked him. So Kevin, what are your thoughts? Seth Rollins, but more so Triple H, bringing in the World Heavyweight Championship, debuting a new world championship in his first year. So we spoke about this when we covered the legacy of that big gold belt, and, and we talked about the new rendition of the title, so I'm not going to go too long on this, but I'll say this just to maybe get a fresh thought on it. Like I understand why Triple H did, did that. I understand why he would want to make a second belt. You know, Raw, for lack of a better term... Not even lack of a better term. Raw has been headlined by Austin Theory. Like he was the main champion, but when Roman Reigns was like on, like only appearing on SmackDown like twice a month, once a month if that, leading up to WrestleMania, yeah. you're left with Austin Theory like sitting in the ring to saying, "A town down, bro." Yeah, I'm Austin Theory, bro. So they had to do something. They had to get a, a World Heavyweight Championship on that show. It's vital. You can't have a wrestling show without a world champion for as long as, like, for multiple years. Like, it's just not, uh, it's just not functional, you know? Mm-hmm. So it made sense. I get that. With that being said, I think the way that it was introduced was a bit silly. It's just like, okay, here's the championship. Roman, he's got both titles. Forget about yeah. that guy. We're going to make a new one. Me, personally, if I was booking it, I would have liked to have seen Roman lay down and take a loss for one of those championships. Maybe not the Universal Championship, because you want to keep that and you want to build that as the most prestigious belt. But you have him lose the WWE Championship. Have him lose it to Rollins. Who cares? There's no shame in losing to Seth Rollins. Triple H and Roman Reigns can sit down in a room backstage and and work out a way for that loss to happen. You could have Solo Sokoa or something accidentally cost Roman the match or Whatever, yeah. John goes, Moxley he comes out Simone the crowd. Spike. He goes to Samoan Spike Rollins, accidentally gets Reigns. OMG, OMG, Reigns cops a quick pin, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah, or Rollins barely beats him with like a roll-up or whatever. 
you know, or or they do like a, a last man standing match and Rollins gets up like right before Roman does at the 10 count and Rollins barely wins. Like there's a lot of things they could do. I, I was not in particularly a big fan of the way that it was just introduced and portrayed. It's like a secondary title. Just like, here, we're creating this belt. Here you go, Rollins. Have it. Yeah, I mean, it, it was interesting. I mean, it's interesting to look back on this because now we're like three, four, five months removed. Because you remember at WrestleMania time, Rollins has the big match with Logan Paul, which hats off Triple H there. Great use of celebrity, great use of Rollins, in my opinion. Fresh matchup, really well done at WrestleMania. And coming out of that, there was a lot of sort of murmuring online. Rollins deserves a championship. Rollins deserves something. Seth was doing interviews. He was going on like, you know, these, you know, ringside whatever like talks you know they have clips of him saying he deserves better and yada yada and then they made a thing on tv then within six weeks triple h is in the ring he's unveiling the new belt pal uh and then they do the night of champions like tournament thing and he beats styles and he wins it and as you say was it the greatest way to bring in a new championship no was it sort of reminiscent of when eric bischoff just handed it to triple h in 2002 a little bit yeah it was yeah, it wasn't obviously the same. Triple H didn't just go, Seth Rollins! And he didn't just give him the championship. But, I mean, it might as well have been. It was, we got a good match out of Styles, and we got a good triple threat match with Edge, Rey Mysterio, and Styles on a SmackDown. But it might as well have been Triple H handing it to Rollins. Nonetheless, Kevin, with that being said, so far, three months in, whatever it is, three, four months in, it's been fine. It's been a good, you know, sort of catalyst for that Judgment Day friction and it's really helped them start to tell their story and unpack their stable a little bit it's been a good you know prop for raw as well because kevin as you allude to a three-hour show where the main act is either theory with the u.s title or as it was for like a month or two cody and brock as like the main act with no title i mean it, it's fine generally but you really want a world title you want a big belt for the the top stars or the big names to want to fight for and want to you know, do battle over. So it, it's worked in that regard. It's given the Judgment Day, as I said, something to fight over. It's given Rollins something. So it's not just him bitching on Twitter about how I deserve better. I had a world title run four years ago. Vince McMahon derailed. It's, it's, it's not just that. Um, but yeah, there you go, pal. That's my ruthless opinion, pal. There it is. Back to you. All right, so I, I want to tee you up for something big here. Big segment, big talking point. Yep. Uh, we're going to do this, and then we're going to close out with SummerSlam. We'll, we'll talk a little bit of SummerSlam and... Just yeah. add to our thoughts that we've already given. But let mm-hmm. me ask you this. Let, let, let me present this to you. Yep. Now, a lot of people have taken... Uh, I don't want to say they've taken like issue with the way Triple H has booked his guys, but there's been a little friction here. You know, Triple mm-hmm. H has, has... He showcased his guys. Guys yeah. like Fergie. Guys mm-hmm. like Nakamura. Guys yes. like Ricochet. You know, yes. I, I don't even want to consider Bronson Charlotte. Ray, Jade, Bronson Ray, JD, McDonough, the list goes on. The list goes yeah, on. I don't even want to consider Charlotte one of his, like, guys. Because no. no. Charlotte is, like, beloved by everybody in the business, from, like, Jim Ross to Eric Bischoff to Jim Cornette. Everybody loves her. Mm-hmm. And Vince yeah. was infatuated with her. I, I'll never understand what these people see in Charlotte. Maybe they need to – I need to talk to, like, Jim Ross and have him break it down to me what is so great about Charlotte. But that's another discussion for another day. You, you didn't say Charlotte's last name? Really, Kevin? You gonna say Charlotte? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I get that, but like everybody swears she's like the best performer of her generation. I just, I, I want to see what they see. That, that you know, it'd be, it'd be great. Like, uh, whatever. But I digress. So now back to the point. Triple H showcasing his guys like Fergie, Nakamura, Brunson Reed, Ricochet. 
I know you and I are pretty similar with the way we look at at the the use of Fergie. It's like okay, yeah. this twenty twenty three, this guy won a championship in twenty sixteen. He won the strawberry red velvet universal championship cake belt. Good for him. But do we need to have a whole yeah. feud built around that one moment? So, what yeah. do you think about this? Just like the the use of like Triple H guys and girls. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll say this. I love the question. I must say, but. I'll say this, certain segments of the, the audience, the community, I won't name names, but as soon as I describe this, you know who I'm talking about. Certain segments of the community get so bothered by who Triple H pushes. The fact that Bronson Reed even gets a go on Raw, the fact that JD McDonaghy is even featured, the fact that Balor gets you know, a bit more TV time, these sort of guys, some people get so bothered. I don't get bothered or angry by it. It is what it is. These are the guys Triple H wants to push, good on him. Most of them are on Raw which is sort of like the workers' show, realistically. Uh, generally, SmackDown doesn't really feature too many of these sort of wrestlers. When I look at it, you know, who he, who he pushes, it's a give-and-take situation, Kevin, because Vince McMahon, it was Baron Corbin. It was, I mean, a lot of theory. There was an excessive amount of theory use. You know, like, wrestlers like Lacey Evans got an excessive amount of TV time. You know, each, each head of creative has their own wrestlers. I have questions and qualms specifically about, I mean, with this like Nakamura one, the kind of the story of, I get it. It's just a payback match. It's a match to fill in Rollins for the pay-per-view. I'm not going to make a mountain out of a molehill, Kevin, and make it out. This is like some world ending wrestling decision that keeps me awake at night. That I, I go to work angry because Paul Levesque brought him a piece of paper. The Nakamura is going to kick Rollins in the face. And the next week Rollins is going to say, oh, I got kicked in the face. Let's have a match. I'm not going to make, I don't care that much. It's just sort of the premise of it, I guess. It's a Triple H guy. It's a bit of favoritism. Um, I do also, I want to raise, um, I mentioned this in WrestleMania season, but I just find it interesting. The same people who were swearing up and down when Cody lost to Roman at WrestleMania. The build hasn't been fleshed out enough. The story hasn't been told. Cody shouldn't have won the match. Well, one, it wasn't told because Roman was sitting at home. You can never tell the story and Roman sitting on his couch, could you? Nonetheless, the same people saying Cody wasn't ready, Cody needs to do more. They're the same people, the same Triple H diehard fans who were ecstatic when Finn Balor showed up and within five minutes was the Universal Champion in 2016. Interesting. Odd how that works. But I will say, Kevin, further to the point, just to wrap up my opinion on this, Triple H has his guys. Good on him. If he wants to feature Bronson Reed 97 minutes into Raw after a commercial break and a match, I don't care. It doesn't really matter. If he wants to feature JD McDonaghy, with Finn Balor backstage 36 minutes into Raw after they've just done a Cody segment. Good on him. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Triple H isn't some asshole evil person <laughs> because he gives JD McDonaghy a job or because he gives Bronson Reed some TV time. The tsunami from down under, pal. Just because he gives Bronson Reed a squash match against Dolph Ziggler two hours and seven minutes into Raw after the Cody segment. Good for him. Those are his guys. As long as Johnny Gargano and these wrestlers aren't main eventing WrestleMania. As long as it's not to that level, as we joked about two, three years ago that we worried would happen. As long as Triple H keeps it smart as he has, keep the main event for Roman, Cody, Brock, Gunther, Rollins, even though he's like a mid-card guy, he's not a main event level guy. Stuff like that. So Kevin, that's my stance. Do with that what you will. I'll pass the question back to you. Thoughts on Triple H pushing his guy's pal his wrestlers who are my height, my physique, my dimensions, minus Bronson Reed in spots on Raw. And, and Nakamura. I'm pretty sure Nakamura is like six foot tall. 
I know, but you know, I'm a muscular he is, so Nakamura looks like a heavyweight at least. I, I, you gotta give him really. That. Yeah, I'll he does. I'll stop that. I'll yeah. stop that. Come on, he looks like a heavyweight. Come on, okay. come on. He's like he's 200... heavyweight. What's what's Brock? What's Brock? What's Bronson Raid? What's John Cena? Stop that. Nakamura is on the same level, pal. Jeez. Anyway, this is this is okay. Carry on your your opinion. No, well, nobody's comparative to Brock Lesnar. Let, let, let's start with that. Nobody is on this planet. It's comparable to Brock Lesnar. It doesn't matter who it is, you know? So when it comes to Triple H and his guys and his girls, like, yeah, Dakota Kai, Bailey, Eos Kai, they're in a prominent spot. That's great. Does it draw merch? Does it draw ratings? Does it draw numbers on social media? Probably not. But it doesn't need to. It's it's just a, a part of the storyline, a part of the show. It's great. I, I, I think what they're doing with Eos Kai, Bailey, and uh, Dakota Kai is better than what Vince probably would have done with them. So, there you go. Now, when it comes to Fergie, I, I have just Fergie fatigue. I'm over it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm really, I'm literally over seeing that guy on my TV screen in main event segments. Yeah. If I have to watch another backstage segment with Fergie, I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know what what's going to happen with me. I might go off the rails. I might go a little clinically insane. I, I really don't know. Like, enough of the Fergie. Jesus. We've seen enough of this guy. Are you kidding me? Like, come on. Enough. Jeez, Fred. But... Who'd have thought Kevin would be the one snapping over Finn Balor's TV use? Who'd have thought? I thought this would be me going off. Like, Kevin snapped, pal. He's Carry the on. only guy. That's it. The, the Fergie's the only one. Enough. I've had enough of this guy. I don't care. I don't care that he won the championship seven years ago and held it for one day because Rollins shoot injured his shoulder. I don't care. Whatever. Rollins injured him on purpose to get the belt off him, pal. Uh, to put it on Kevin Owens. No, who cares? Whatever, whatever. Accidents happen, I get it. You know, Rollins makes mistakes. Um, according to Bret Hart, Rollins is one of the most unsafe wrestlers he's ever seen, and he was in the ring with Goldberg. So if Bret Hart says he's unsafe, who am I to tell Bret Hart that he's wrong? I'm just saying, I'm just going to leave that there for everyone. I'm not going to tell Bret Hart that he's wrong. One of the best technical wrestlers and one of the safest wrestlers of all time. Are you? No, I didn't think so. Now, back to the point ahead. Enough of Fergie. Enough. Please. Can we get just like a six-month break of Fergie? Enough. Put him on NXT. I don't care. But let him wrestle with Brunson Reed and Carmelo Hayes. I just... I, I can't with this guy as a main eventer. In following on from that, the Judgment Day has a lot of bright spots. Dirty Dom, your boy. Rhea, Mummy, Australian icon. Damien Priest, once again, your boy. Do you feel like... The way how Balor's just presented every time is like Balor, Balor, Balor backstage. Is that sort of you know damaging how you view the Judgment Day because they're a great stable, but how much they show Fergal and he gets the priority more often than not. I don't know. To me, I'm like I love to see those three without Fergal for like at least a month. Just let them unfold their character. That Balor seven years ago, my shoulder got hurt, fella. Like no thanks. Yeah, I wouldn't say it damages Judgment Day. But I would like to see Rhea Ripley presented as the leader. Yeah. I, I think she's the clear leader of the faction. I, I, I just, like, she's the women's champion. She's the big star. She's one of the pinnacles of WWE's future. She is the leader, for, for, lack, for lack of all intents and purposes. Dominic's the up-and-coming guy. Damian Priest is the muscle. And Fergie is the veteran that holds things together. Yeah. That's the way I would like to see it presented. Now, I understand why they don't do it that way, because they don't have real depth in the women's division. There's not a lot of opportunities for Rhea Ripley. 
not a lot of challengers out there. So I get that. The women's division, I'll touch on this real quick. The women's division is still a, um, a weak point of the Triple H regime. It's improved slightly. We've seen improvements based on when it was, where it was when he picked it up. But that's still a, a major uh, point of improvement, I think, and should remain a focal point. But I don't know what they could do with it, realistically. There's just They just don't have the same amount of talent in the women's division. It's not a knock on them. They just don't have credible challengers for Rhea Ripley. Like, Rhea Ripley hardly has defended her championship. She hardly has yeah. been established. And now her her first big opponent is Raquel Rodriguez. I guess. Raquel has a back pal, I guess. Raquel does the lat spread, so I guess that's a match. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, which, yeah, well, now we'll do the women's division, then we'll sort of start to wrap it up now. Um, but when it comes to Triple H and the women's division... Yes, when he took over a year and a few months ago, the women's division was Ronda Rousey versus Liv Morgan every pay-per-view. Ugh. I wasn't even watching. It was that bad. Disgusting. I, I couldn't that. Awful. Terrible. And then on Raw, it was like Bianca Belair being the baby face. I guess sort of the Becky feud was still going on. I don't know, but it was sort of Bianca Belair being like the, the flag bearer. And SmackDown was literally Ronda versus Liv Morgan every pay-per-view, just beating her up. So... From where it was inherited, where it was just like all time bad, it's now just it's it's a stable, okay women's division. Becky and Trish, pretty good stuff. Becky drinks lemonade, pal. They're brawling on Raw. There's that. You know the Ronda and Shayna thing was what it was. Ronda's now seemingly done. It looks like Shayna's probably going to have like a three year long women's title run soon. I guess that's where they're going with it. Uh, Charlotte Flair is just incredible, pal. I guess. Uh, and Eo Sky is champion. Cool. Cashed in. Good moment. Belair's still there. So there's stuff there. Is it setting the world on fire? Is it the best thing going like it was at the end of 2018, the first two months of 2019? No. Uh, but, you know, is it not? It's not bad, but it's not great. It's sort of there. Um, so maybe that, that can be something to work on with Triple H in the next year, two years, getting that to, you know, higher heights, you know, better levels. I think one more thing as well for Triple H is just sort of continuing the momentum with certain wrestlers. A guy like Gunther, he now has his distinctive promo style where he stands on the announce table and like yells like he's a general. He, you know, he's had this dominant IC title run. He has the great matches every other month of pay-per-views. It's just following through, delivering a WrestleMania season, having him face Brock, having him face Rollins for the world title, having him win the Royal Rumble, making him feel like a true main eventer, establishing a guy like that. Drew McIntyre following through with a heel run, not just keeping him stagnant, giving him a heel opportunity. And just keeping generally these wrestlers who have so much potential, so much ability, fresh, interesting, compelling, raising their levels in some case, changing up their persona. That's really the main thing for me to watch for Triple H in the next year. Women's division, how he uses certain wrestlers, making sure his guys, Balor, Gargano, Champa, Bronson Reed, McDonoughey, these types, make sure they stay lower, lower mid-card. Wrestlers like Sami Zayn and Owens, as long as they're involved in good stories, I don't mind. But yeah, it just depends. So that's my sort of what I want to see from Triple H, pal. Over to you. What do you want to see? What are the main sort of KPIs, pal, going forward for Paul Levesque as he's sitting in bed with his wife at 11.30 p.m., writing Raw, writing SmackDown, writing WWE, NXT, main event, superstars, whatever, PLEs. What do you want to see from Paul Levesque? Before I answer that, I'll say this about SummerSlam 2023. Then I'll answer that and we'll get out of here. SummerSlam 2023, I think, was the lowest point of the Triple H regime. I I just don't see what a lot of other people saw 
in that show. It it just it wasn't a good show to me. It was average at best, which is fine. Uh, it wasn't a bad show. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't the worst SummerSlam ever. It wasn't SummerSlam 2010, but it was average. <clears throat> um, now, I, I think SummerSlam 2023 is an opportunity for Paul Levesque, Triple H, to make improvements. Now, like, I think he'll look at it maybe and say, okay, maybe we shouldn't have given that triple threat match, that women's triple threat match, 20 minutes. You know, maybe Ronda and Shayna shouldn't have been on the card, you know. Now, going forward, I think he'll improve on that. I think Payback will be a solid show. I really do. Uh, the Really, the main thing I want to see going forward is things that make sense being put on PLEs. I want to see good flows. I want to see the backlash flow for PLEs. I want to see the Elimination Chamber flow. I don't want to see SummerSlam. I don't want to see a match that just kills the momentum. Just halt point blank, halts the momentum of the show. Um, and that could happen. You know, I get it. You got to keep Ronda Rousey happy. She's a, a, a high-valued employee making a ton of money. You got to keep her happy. I get that. Now, now that she's out of the picture, you can kind of avoid that kind of stuff. Uh, I want to see a focus, a focus put on women. I want to see that. I want to see women's storylines, women characters develop. I want to see that. I, I want. I'm tired of just seeing. Oh, I'm Charlotte Flair. I'm Ric Flair's daughter. I'm a 15-time champion. I'm naturally gifted, natural selection, pal. I'm over that. Don't want to see that. I want to see less Fergie. I want to see Dominic and Rhea Ripley and Damian Priest be the focal points of Raw. Less Fergie, more focus on the guy that's carrying the Money in the Bank briefcase, more focus on the guy that has a lineage in this business and is the hottest heel in this business right now, behind MJF and Dominic Mysterio, and more focus on who should be the leader of the Judgment Day and Rhea Ripley. I get it, Triple H is infatuated with, with Fergie's work, he's a great indie wrestler, I get it, but his time has come, and passed. We, we've seen it, we've done it, it's over. You know, Damian Priest is the future. Gotta set up that guy to be the WWE champion. Set up that guy to be in a big spot to defend the championship against Bad Bunny. We gotta get there. Um, and really, I mean, uh, there's not really much else I could ask for out of Triple H, aside yeah. from those couple of, like, tweaks, really. Now, I think overall, I, I would say he's been great as Booker of WWE. I, I would yeah. say he's like a solid A, A-. minus. It's yeah. really not much to complain about, aside from that SummerSlam show, which... Could have been better, but, you know, it wasn't a bad show by any means. Yeah, and, I mean, one more thing with the SummerSlam flow, like, as you say, Backlash didn't have that issue, WrestleMania didn't have that issue, Elimination Chamber didn't have that issue, the Rumble didn't have that issue, but it just felt like at SummerSlam, they almost did what Tony Khan does with AEW, where you have a bunch of matches, give them 20 minutes, 25 minutes, just because it goes really long, got really good star ratings, then when you look at the star ratings of the show, everyone's just going to say it was really good. When in reality, us watching it live are going, it's too long. The flow is not there. So as long as they avoid that, um, they keep things you know, consistent. As I said, do what Triple H is doing. Keep things going. Keep a flow going. Bit of focus on the women's division. Develop some more characters, as you say. Maybe put a bit less focus on Fergie and those types. That's all that really needs to be happening. So that being said, Kevin... Last time, I believe I gave Triple H, I mean, a B plus or a B. You gave him a B or a B plus, either or. So people can review that if they want to watch our six months in episode. I'll, at the moment, give him an A minus. I think, well, even A minus. I'm not going to go A or A plus just yet. I don't think, to me, like an A is like he's just 
across the board, sensational. I'm watching Raw consistently, desperate to see it. I'm not, I'm not there yet. Maybe that's just my personal life commitments. I don't have the time mm. to be like that. Maybe if I had some more time, I'd give him a higher rating. But to me, he's an A minus. He deserves that A letter grade. I don't think he's just, you know, the absolute, the best thing absolutely ever, but he's done a lot right. There's not a lot of nitpicks we can make. There's not, not, not a lot of fair nitpicks. I know some portions of the community, as I discussed earlier, think Triple H is an asshole, nose man, clueless idiot because he puts Bronson Reed on Raw 87 minutes into the show for a squash match, I guess. But if that's your biggest gripe with Triple H, that's not a, that's not a real gripe. So what we've discussed, I think Kevin is fair. Things he can critique, just flow, women's division, some characters, keeping flow going, putting the spotlight on some younger guys as he is doing. So, yeah. And we got to talk about this too. Triple H, under his regime, under his reign, WWE has broken records seemingly every single month. You got merch records being broken at LiveGate, LiveGate records being broken. You've got revenue records being broken, ticket sales, PLE interest, social media views, YouTube views. All this stuff is being broken under Triple H, and that's a credit to him, and he's doing great, I think. I mean, that that right there, I think just the fact that he's got people caring about wrestling that haven't cared about wrestling in years, and that a lot of that is on the helm of the bloodline, I get that. But it's also just a, a, an overall direction from a creative standpoint of not insulting people's intelligence and keeping wrestling fun and making it what it's supposed to be, just fun and giving people what they want to see. And yeah, that's pretty much all I got to say. This has been great. We'll talk maybe, we'll do like a two-year look at, at Triple H's regime. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But for now, we'll get out of here. We'll talk to you guys on the next one.